Father God in heaven, glory to your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Christ Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Has he changed your life? If he hasn't, he stands ready to change your life. All you have to do is open your heart to him. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins. Put your trust in him. And he'll, he, will, he will be the way maker, the miracle worker. He'll guide and direct your life. That's the God we serve, the creator of the universe. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you, God. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here and in our midst and, and ministering to us. Lord Jesus, let this worship go up and be acceptable to you, God. It's not, it's not whether it's good to us. It's whether it's good to you. We want it to be acceptable before you, Lord, from pure hearts. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time. And we thank you now as we're going to continue to worship as we look into your word and you're going to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. 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 You may be seated. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Paul's got the Bibles. And children, children are dismissed to children's church. And uh, this morning, we are uh, in our, we're going back to our verse-by-verse study through 2 Timothy. So please turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, this morning, we're looking at verses 1 through 12. Very deep passage. Uh, eschatology, what is, you might know what eschatology is? Eschatology is the study of last things. The study of what the last days will be like. So uh, let's read verses 1 through 5, and then um, we'll open up and get into our teaching this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, Without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. How much lower can you go when the scripture talks about the depravity of man? You know, we're all fallen. You know, we're all fallen and we're sinners, and, but as time goes forward and we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, uh, the, the scripture says the Christians will get brighter, but the world will get darker. And what we have here is, is amazing. What we're studying, guys, here as we're closing out the book of 2 Timothy, these are the Apostle Paul's final words. These are his final words. I want to read to you uh, a situation little incident I read about this week uh, concerning a pastor who went to uh, visit a member in the hospital. Uh, I read this story last week. A pastor went to visit a dying patient that was a member of his church. The patient was unable to speak. And in the hospital room, the pastor was uh, speaking encouraging words and was praying for the man. And then all of a sudden, the man wrote something on a piece of paper and he gave it to the pastor. 
The pastor, who was focused on what he was saying to encourage the man, uh, slipped the piece of paper in his pocket without reading it. When the pastor got home that evening, he received word that the man died shortly after his visit. A couple of days later at the funeral, the pastor was trying to encourage the hundreds that came to show their respect when all of a sudden he remembered that piece of paper that the man had gave him that he stuck in his pocket and that he never read. The pastor told the people, said, wait a minute, folks, I have his last words. Everyone looked with anticipation as the pastor pulled the piece of paper out of his pocket and the pastor read the note and it said, you're standing on my oxygen. <laughs> folks, what we have before us in our text this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4 are the Apostle Paul's last words. We're going to finish up chapter 3. Um, we'll, we won't finish all of chapter 3 today, but we'll finish up chapter 4 in a couple weeks. And then after this book, is, after 2 Timothy is written, Paul will be beheaded. Paul will lose his head to Nero. So you and I, like that pastor in that, in that room, we need to pay close attention to the, to the apostles' final words. Because the old saying goes, the most important things are the things that are said last, the things that we close with. You know, when, when a, an attorney is arguing a case in a courtroom, he ends it with a punch. And that's what the apostle Paul does here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So the title of my message this morning is The Danger Ahead. The Danger Ahead, and this is prophetic, this is eschatology, this is looking forward to as we get closer and closer to the rapture of the church, times will get darker. So let's take a look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. The scripture says, but realize this, in the last days difficult times will come. So Paul here talks about the last days. As I mentioned a while ago, this is what we call eschatology, the study of last things. There's a lot of things that we could talk about when it comes to eschatology. We could talk about the restoration of Israel from Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. We could talk about the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We could talk about the great tribulation and, the, and everything that takes place in that seven-year period that's described in the book of, of Revelation and in Jeremiah. We could talk about the, the future millennial reign of Christ, the 1,000-year reign of Christ here on this earth that's coming. That comes from Revelation chapter 20. But this morning, we're looking at what mankind will be like. We're looking at a branch of eschatology on what will be the conditions prior to, um, prior to the return of Christ. So what I want to present to you this morning from this passage is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-12. through 12. I've broken it up into three different sections, and I'm calling them the three dangers that surround the church. The three dangers that will surround the church as we get closer and closer to his return. So the first one, the first danger that will surround the church in the last days, and we'll give it to you up front, is this. Man will be unbridled. Man will be unbridled. That word unbridled, it means no restraint. No restraint to his actions, no conscience. He will do what gratifies his flesh. Take a look at verse 2. Verse 2 says... Uh, for men will be lovers of self. In other words, men will worship themselves. Uh, man, the, the people that's being described here in this passage, 
uh, their ultimate goal in life will not be to please God. It will be to please themselves because they love me some self, that old saying goes. They love their selves. And it, just, it, it snowballs. Look at verse 2 as it continues. It says they will be lovers of money. In other words, their hearts will be filled with greed. You know, sin is like a slippery slope. Once a little bit starts, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you don't repent, you'll find yourself in a world of mess. You know, Scripture makes it very clear we're not to be lovers of money. I don't understand how the prosperity gospel works. I don't understand where they get their theology from. Because Jesus clearly warned against the love of money. He made it very clear you can't serve you can't serve God and serve money. Now, we like some money. We like to make money. We like to pay our bills. We like to take care of things. And God blesses us as we give. And he blesses our life even when we give financially. But the point is not to get rich. The point is not to get rich. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here it is. Straight from the words of Jesus, Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God and money. He continues in verse 2, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Uh, man will be prideful. He will be prideful. He will, be blaspheme. He, he will blaspheme God's name. He will mock the name that is above every name, Jesus. Jesus, what Jesus and Jesus' name will hold no value to man at this point says there also they'll be disobedient to parents you know pop culture it mocks parental authority did you know that it mocks parental authority it laughs at it it scoffs at it after his visit to the united states the duke of windsor was asked what impressed you most about your visit to the united states you know what he said he, he said the way parents obey their children we got it upside down you know, the, the, the authority in the family needs to be changed. Mom and dad are the ones that are in authority. And, and for any, stu- any uh, teenagers, young children that are listening, you know, your, your biggest fans, your biggest support in life will always be mom and dad. You need to do what they say. You need to listen to them because they will give you your very best advice. Second to the Lord in his word. <laughs> but our best advice comes from God. Your second um, best advice will always come from mom and dad. It says there in verse 2, says, it continues, they'll be ungrateful. There'll be no thankfulness. He says they'll be unholy. They'll live in rebellion to, to God's law. Verse 3 says they'll be unloving and irreconcilable. There will be this bitter spirit. There will be this unforgiving spirit upon mankind. And the ir- it says they'll be irreconcilable. You know, they'll be headstrong. You, do you know what it's like to have a debate with someone that's headstrong? It is hard to get through. It takes a supernatural work of the Spirit to, to get through to people that are, are headstrong. But that's what it says when it says that they're irreconcilable. In other words, they don't want peace. They don't want forgiveness. They'll be unloving. Verse 3 continues. This is heavy, guys. This is heavy. But it's what the word, it's what Scripture says. It's what God says to us this morning in his word. It says there will be malicious gossips. They will use their words to hurt other people. Halfway through verse 3, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 
People at this point in the last days as we get closer to the rapture of the church, people will choose their pleasure of sin over the goodness of God. That, that, that tells us how far the deception will go. That, that shows you how far the human heart can go when it comes to deception. No person is beyond being deceived. We have to put our guard up. We have to put our, our Holy Spirit goggles on. We have to put on our biblical worldview and see the world as God sees it. Let the word, let the scriptures uh, inform us of what is right and what is wrong. Let the scriptures inform us of how to live, what to do and what not to do. And unfortunately, the scripture says here as we get into verse 5, it will creep into the church, unfortunately. Look at verse 5. It says, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. It'll, this, this philosophy will creep into the church and they will deny the power of the gospel. They will deny the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ and his message. I don't care where you're at or what you've come from or what kind of lifestyle you're in. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how far you've gone down into the pit of sin, the Lord Jesus Christ can raise you up and he can forgive you of all your sins and he can give you a new life and set you free. That's the power of the gospel, but they will deny the power of the gospel. Then you have the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we can't forget, church, Zechariah 4.6. It's not by your might, it's not by my might, it's not by your strength, it's not by my strength. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we have to move. As, that's how you have to move as a Christian and as a believer to get up in the morning and say, Lord Jesus, I, I surrender to you. Holy Spirit, lead and guide my life. You know, we have to remember that part of, our Christ, part of the Christian life, in, in addition to the Word of God, is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us and us following the leading of the Holy Spirit. So vitally important. You know, matter of fact, everything is null and void and impossible without the Holy Spirit. And we've got to remember that, you know. As, you know, as, as I come in here in the, during the week and I pray and I seek the Lord, I'm like, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Show me, guide me, direct me. Where are we to go as a church? What are we to be teaching? What classes are we, are we to be having? Because I don't want it to be born of David. I want it to be born of the Spirit. I want it to be born of the Holy Spirit. But, they will, but they will, there will come a time where this philosophy will creep into the church and they'll be compromised. They'll be compromised on biblical truth and they'll be compromised on integrity. Now, you're asking, Pastor David, what's the application on these verses right here that we just looked at? What's the application for, for us here and now this morning at Calvary Chapel Irma? The application is this. This is not how we live. This is not how you and I live. You know, you and I, we're not lovers of self. We're lovers of God. We're not boastful, arrogant, and revilers. We're called to be humble, to be humble and, and, and walk in humility and serve the Lord. We're not called to disobey our parents. We're called to obey mom and dad. Even, even us older, older adults who still have parents that are alive, we need to honor our mom and dad, respect our mom and dad, love our mom and dad. We need to, we're, we're not ungrateful. We're thankful. We're not unholy. We, we, we walk in, in dedication and commitment to the Lord. We're not unloving and irreconcilable, 
please let that never be said of a believer. No matter what's happened, and I know there's some deep hurts and some deep pains and things that have happened in people's lives that could cause unforgiveness. But pray and ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart and help you in that area. We all struggle with it, okay? We all struggle with this thing called unforgiveness. But here is who can help you forgive. The Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, help me to forgive. We're not malicious gossips. If you ain't got nothing good to say about someone, don't say nothing at all. We're not lovers of pleasure, but we're lo- we're, we are lovers of the Lord. We're lovers of God. You know, and we can't separate faith and obedience. You know, some people will say, well, you know, you can... You can trust in Christ, believe in Jesus, and then just go live any way you want to. You know, the, the obedience is not required. You know, walking, and, walking and, and trusting him and doing what he says is not required. That's not true. Listen to what A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer said, the church, let me get this right here. A.W. Tozer said, the church will be at the height of heresy when it calls obedience legalism. You know, we are not legalistic, but we obey the Lord because he's changed our heart. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And we have a new master in life, and we choose to serve him. And obedience and walking out the Christian life, it's, it's more than just this mental ascent. It's more than just this, well, I believe it in my head, I believe it in my heart, and I'm going to go live like I want to. No, that's not how it works. He changes our heart, and he produces holy living. But, again... The last days, man will be unbridled. Guys, let us be submitted to the Holy Spirit. And let's walk in his love. Let's walk in his truth. Let's walk in his grace. And let's walk in obedience. Amen? So that's the first one. The first danger that will surround the church will be man unbridled. The second one is found in second, there in verse 6. Let's read verses 6 through 9. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also will oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all just as Janice and Jambres' folly was also. Now, the scripture does not tell us who these two guys are, this referenced here. But Jewish tradition and ancient Jewish writings tell us that these two guys that are talked about here in the scripture, they were uh, magicians in Pharaoh's court, according to some ancient Jewish writings. But they opposed Moses. They, 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 they opposed what God was going to do through Moses with the nation of Israel. So the second danger that will surround the church in the last days that Paul is talking about here in verses 6 through 9 is false teachers. False teachers. False teachers. There's false teachers today. But as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, false teachers will increase. And they'll have a greater influence. So let's. So two things here. Let's look at... Um, in verses 6 through 9, I'm going, to, I'm going to pick this apart and pull parts out so we can talk about it. But uh, first, let's talk about how the false teachers operate. And then we'll talk about who falls for their schemes. Because it's, it's what the, the passage tells us in verses 6 through 9. So how do false teachers operate? Look there in verse 6. 
In verse 6 it says, among them are those who entered the households. And here's the key word, they captivate. That's what, the, that's what the, says in verse 6, they captivate. Some of your translations say they gain control or they capture. But the point is, just like those ancient magicians opposed Pharaoh, so will these people in the last days, these false teachers, they will use trickery. They will use trickery and they will use deception is what it says, that word captivate. So they'll, they'll use trickery, they'll use deception, they won't use scripture. And they'll, they will deceive people. Why? Because they have an agenda. They have an agenda. And that's to draw followers unto them. You know, we're not about drawing followers unto ourselves. We're about drawing followers unto Jesus. You follow Jesus. Don't follow Pastor David. You follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It also says there in verse 8 that they will, um, the false teachers of the last days, they'll oppose the truth. They'll oppose the truth. What does that mean? They'll fight against. Literally, that's what it means. They they will fight against what the Bible says. Or even worse, they'll attempt to explain it away. The supernatural things of the scripture. The truth of the Bible. The doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. The things that are clearly, not this ain't a matter of interpretation. These are things that are clearly laid out in the Bible. That he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless, perfect life, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, that he, he's coming again. You know, the, the central truths of, of, of walking in obedience, the, cent- the central truth that man is justified by one thing and one thing alone, and that is faith in Christ. That is what makes a person right with God. That's what makes you right with God, is that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and your faith is in him. But they will oppose the essential truths of the Christian faith, the essential truths of the Bible. Verse 8 also says there that they are, just talking about the characteristics of it, you know, get a full picture of these false teachers. It says, men of depraved mind, rejected. Ooh, men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. So they, they will participate in those things that was talked about in verse 1 and 2. You know, the, these false teachers will not be born again. There, there will be no desire in them to follow Christ. But what will they want? They will want people to follow them. This is how you identify, you know, the false teachers. Is, is they want you to follow them instead of following Christ. Verse 9 also says, it says, they will not make further progress they will not make further progress i tend to believe and hope and believe that when these days come that there will be godly leaders that will expose them that will expose them this is it'll be a serious time this is a weighty passage but we need to understand that this is what scripture says and this is what will come and they will not make further progress because my hope my the way i see this passage is Godly men will confront them and expose them. Or at least they won't make progress into the body of Christ. Why? Because we're going to be in the Word. We're going to be in the Word, and we're following Christ Jesus. The Christ Jesus revealed in the New Testament and in our Bibles. Second question we have to ask concerning this passage, because he, and the reason I say that is because it addresses it, is who will fall for their schemes? Who will fall for their schemes? Look at verse 6. Because it answers that question. Verse 6 says, Among them are those who enter into households and captivate, what does it say? Weak women. 
I believe what Paul has given us here, he's given us a, a word picture. He's giving us a word picture. Paul has this picture in his mind of false teachers going into the home and deceiving people. But I do not believe that this deception is limited to women here. This, this deception that he's, that he's talking to, he's given us a word picture. He's chosen to give an example of a weak woman. But this deception is not limited to women. Men can be deceived too. And to think that women can be deceived and men not is arrogant and sinful. Because all of us, men and women alike, if, if our hearts are not in a right place before the Lord and they're not in the word and they're not in the faith, my friend, you and I could fall away also. Oh, this, this is just a picture, but, but these people, um, it says they're, 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 they're weak. In other words, this would be weak men and women that, that will be weak in the faith. They won't be strong in the faith. And then it continues in verse 6, gives us a, a, a deeper description of who will fall or who will fall for the false teacher's schemes. It says they will be weighed down with sins. What does that phrase mean? That means they will not be committed followers. They will not be committed followers of Christ Jesus. They, they will live a life of compromise, is, is, is what verse 6 says. When it says they're weighed down with sin, in other words, the, the guilt is on them. The, the guilt of their compromise, their guilt of them not being committed will be on them. But all they have to do is come to Christ and repent. Put their trust in him, and that can be lifted. But they'll choose not to. They'll choose not to. They'll stay in their compromise. They will be vulnerable to false teachers. And verse 6 continues. Um, the NASB says, led on by various impulses. Led on by various impulses. These people that will be susceptible to false teachers, they'll be driven by emotion. They'll be driven by emotions. And uh, impulse, that word impulse, it brings to mind, it's what, what grabs us in the moment. It's what grabs us in the moment, and we just go and do it. So what is that? That's desire. That's desire. These, these uh, people that fall for these false teachers of the passage, they'll be driven by their emotions. They'll be driven by their own desires. And what's the, what's the opposite of that that you and I should be? We should be driven by who? The Spirit. We should be driven by the Spirit. Guys, this ain't complicated. This ain't rocket science. You know, this, this is what happens when we fall away from the Lord and we're not following him. But instead of, not, instead of falling in this situation, we yield to the Holy Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit give us those impulses. Let the Holy Spirit give us that drive. Let the Holy Spirit give us that desire to go deeper into the things of the Lord. And then last one. We're verse by verse expository. We want to, we want to grab every nugget in here and every truth to bring it out so we can see it but look at verse 7 it talks about um, these people that fall susceptible to the false teachers it says always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth when I read that when I read that part of the verse the thing that grabbed me you ever watch those shows on TV the storm chasers you know they, they see the hurricane or the tornado off in the distance and they're hightailing it I like that I think it's pretty cool you know to see them going after but that's what that was the picture i had in my mind as i was thinking about always learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth these people that fall prey to the false teachers they will be like those storm chasers they will chase after everything they will go after everything and they will not settle down they'll go from place to place 
just like the storm, cha- storm chasers do. These people that fall prey, will, they'll, they'll drink everything like it's Kool-Aid. They'll, they'll, they'll drink every teaching like it's Kool-Aid, and they will exercise no discernment. You know, we are called as Christians, as followers of Christ, to exercise the gift of discernment. I hope and pray that each and every one of you guys examine everything I say by the Scripture. You know, be Bereans. Be Bereans. Diligently, it says when Paul went to uh, Berea, it says that the Christians there diligently studied the Scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was right. Well, guess what? If you've got to examine Paul, guess who else you've got to examine? Everybody else. But you've you got to be Bereans. And you've got to exercise discernment. And when you hear things, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't you know, be a, be a Berean and understand what the Scripture says. And don't be a storm chaser. You know, it says, always learning and ever came, able, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, I think about this man or, or, or woman that's in this. What do they need? What do they need in this situation? They need to get planted. They need to get planted in a Bible study, in a church, and get grounded. And grow, go somewhere and grow and learn and not go from place to place, but stay firmly uh, planted and grow where you're at in, in your walk with the Lord. You know, find some men, find some men that you can have accountability with, ladies, find some ladies that you can have accountability with and learn and grow. You know, be firmly planted in your church, be firmly planted, uh, connected with the body of Christ. Don't be going all over the place. We need to be Bereans, and we need to be grounded. But so the second thing here, uh, the second danger of the last days that he, he reveals in verses 6 through 9 is that there will be false teachers, is there will be false teachers. You know, the, the, the best way to combat false teaching is to do what we're doing now, going to the Scriptures and seeing what the Word says and learning from our Bible. He gave it to us for a reason, not so it can sit on the shelf and be dusty, so they can be in our hearts. Amen? Let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 is the final danger. This is the, the, the last portion of my teaching this morning. The final danger is found in verses 10 through 12. Scripture says, Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you just take a survey study of the book of Acts, the, you'll see that the Apostle Paul, he took a shellacking. He took a whooping for the gospel. He got beaten. He got stoned. Uh, he got imprisoned. He, he, t- he, took a, he took a beating. He went through a lot of persecution. It wasn't easy. I mean, I could see him going on the missionary journey, and after the first stoning or, or the first beating, saying, oh, maybe this ain't God's will, because I don't like that. But he knew the truth of the gospel, and it propelled him to go forward, even through the persecutions, even through the difficult times. And we, Now, you and I, we may not be getting beaten and stoned, and imprisoned for the gospel. But we, gotta, we need to know, though, as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, that persecution will increase. We see news reports, 
you know, about Christians in the Middle East standing for their faith in the face of ISIS and in the face of, of, of the surrounding environment over there. And they are being persecuted for their faith. Now, it may not be here now, but that's not to say it won't come. That's not to say that it might not come later in our life or in our children's life. But we need to be prepared. The final danger that will surround the church, according to verses 10 through 12 there, will be persecution. The persecution will increase. Now, and the thing I want you to notice, the, the thing that grabbed me, I was like, whoa, there's a huge nugget here. Look at verse 12. Notice what it says. It does not say all who call themselves Christians will be persecuted. It doesn't say that. Look at verse 12. It says, all who what? Desire to live a godly life. Wow. In the context of the chapter where he talked about the ungodliness, where he talked about the false teachers, now he says, those who desire to live godly, this group of believers that are living in the last days, they will be opposed to that ungodly living. They will be opposed to the false teachers. They will desire to live a godly life. My friend, I, I tell you today, with or without persecution today, this is the heart cry of a Christian. This, this should be the heart cry of every believer. This is real faith. This is real faith. It's your heart cry that you cry out to God and say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to live for your honor. I want to live for your glory. I want to live according to your law. I want to do what your word says. Oh, Lord, my heart is bent towards evil. It's bent towards sin. Please change it. Please transform it. Why? Because I have a desire. Verse 12, all who desire to live a godly life doesn't mean you're perfect is anybody here perfect Whew. good I'm not either you know we're on this path together following Christ and we're not perfect but within each and every one of us each and every believer there should be a heart your heart desire that that is so huge and so important that you have that desire in your heart to follow Christ, that you have a desire. It starts there. I have a desire to be holy. I have a desire to walk in obedience. You know, you know who puts that desire there? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts that desire there. Because before I came to Christ, my heart's desire was my fornication, was my sin was the old ways of life. I loved it. I couldn't wait to partake of my sin. But when I received Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I didn't become all of a sudden this instant holier than thou, perfect saint, because that doesn't exist. But what I did receive, I received a, a, a heart that desired him. That's a great place to be. A great place to be, to desire to desire the Lord. Man, that's, that's, that's the beginning. If you, you know, that's the beginning of a journey in a pursuit of holiness and a pursuit of the Lord is that you come to Calvary Chapel Irma and you say, man, I'm hungry. I have a desire. 
I can't wait to get into the word and let the Lord change me and transform me. I can't wait to come to church and be encouraged and held accountable. There has to be a desire. And one of the biggest issues today in, in, Christian, in, in Christian ministry, I believe, is this, is that many people don't have a desire. They know it in their head, but there's no desire in their heart. What do, what do you say to them? What, what do I say to them when I'm counseling them? Pray. Pray. Get before the Lord. It's not going to happen right. It, well, it could be happening right now. But you go home and go into your prayer closet and say a, a sincere prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, give me a desire to go further. Give me a desire for you. And when you have that desire, that will take you places with the Lord. Because your heart will be restless until you get to that place. But here, again, the persecution of the last days doesn't say that they'll be perfect. But it says that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. This is the, the believer who says, God has a standard and I will live by it. And I want to pursue that standard. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to pursue holiness. I want to pursue him in my life. I want people to meet me in life and not see me, but see Christ Jesus. To see the glory of God in the Lord and to see him. The application for us, verses 10 through 12, is to, is to be completely sold out. To be completely sold out to him. To, to I, when I say completely sold out, it, it, my heart and mind in this passage goes to verse 10. Look at verse 10. This, this, is, this, is, this is how you avoid these pitfalls of being unbridled, of following false teachers, of, of enduring persecution. Verse 10 is... We follow the teachings of the Bible. We follow the teachings of Scripture. The second one, conduct. We live. The conduct is how you live everyday life. That, we, that our goal and our heart's desire is to live out a con, a, that conduct that, that points people to Christ. To live with purpose. And our purpose should be to glorify the Lord. To live in faith. You know, not walk in unbelief, but be filled with faith. Be filled with joy. To walk in patience. To be patient with people. You know, that's one of the gifts that the Spirit will give us as, as, as we pursue it and, and as we are a Christian is we get the gift of patience. You know, a lot of times we put our expectations of others on a time scale. And if they don't meet that time scale in our time frame, we get upset. But God teaches us patience. He gives us love. Let's not forget that. A Christian loves. A Christian does not hate. A Christian loves all people. A Christian loves uh, the believers in the body. He loves the people outside the church. It doesn't matter who they are or, or, or where they're from or what their background is. We show the love of Christ to all people. A-L-L. All people. And that's how we find our, our, find our way and our journey with the Lord as we follow these. Now, I normally go a whole chapter. I've been trying to go a whole chapter. 
But I couldn't. I, I could not um, continue past verse 12. Because when we get into verses 13, 14, and 15 of the passage that's before us, it is huge. This is one of the cornerstone doctrines of the Christian faith. And we're going to talk about this next week, the inspiration of Scripture, the authority of Scripture. This, the, as it says uh, in our English, it is God-breathed. It is theonostos. It is breathed out by the Lord. So next week, I'm kind of, I felt like in my teaching, in my preparation this week, I felt like I was going to, this morning, I was going to leave the teaching. I was going to kind of leave you on a cliff. And so I said, okay, as we go through these three dangers that are ahead, I'm going to point them back to verse 10. This says, follow my teaching, follow my conduct, follow my purpose, follow the faith, follow patience, follow, follow perseverance. But the ultimate, the ultimate answer to keep you from falling into those three things that we just talked about is going to be in next week's message. Next week's message, I'm, I, I'm not 100% sure about it. It might be, it might be titled, The Bible. <laughs> the Bible. Because next week, let's, let's, just, let's just go ahead and look at it real quick. This is going to be the theme of next week's message. Uh, next week, I'm going to teach 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 through chapter 4, verse 2. And every time I say that, I end up changing in the middle of the week. But I'm going to try anyway. But look at verse 16. This is the tool to guard your heart and mind from, from being unbridled, false teachers, and persecution. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Next week, we will look at the authority of the Bible, and we'll look at how this is your tool to make it through the tough times. This is your tool, if you happen to be alive prior to the rapture, this will be your tool to make it through those last days leading up to the rapture. He could come tomorrow. It could be later in life. No man knows the day nor the hour. I'm not going to speculate or guess. It could be before I end this message. But this is what will take the Christian through the difficult times of the last days. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this passage, this prophetic passage of eschatology, of last things. Lord, let us see this truth, and Lord, let it, let it propel us to you. Let us, put our, our, let us trust you, let us love you, let us love your word, let us trust your word, and let us walk in this truth. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. I also want to say here, too, is, is if you're here and you're not a believer, all you have to do is open up your heart to him. Say, Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Give me a heart to believe in you. Give me a heart to repent of my sin. And he will set you on the right path. And he will give you the desire to follow him. You know, that's, that's, that, that, that word back at verse 12, desire, there's so much there. 
that we desire God, that we desire his word, that if you're here and you're not a believer, that you desire his salvation. If you're here and you need prayer, you want to pray with someone for salvation, there'll be some prayer counselors in the back. But also, if you're here and you need special prayer requests, um, please give us the opportunity to pray with you um, while the worship team leads us in this final song.